0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Let's open the word of God together. This morning we turn to the gospel according to Matthew chapter 24, the verses 1 to 35. Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him to call his attention to its buildings. Do you see all these things, he asked. I tell you the truth, not one stone here will be left on another. Every one will be thrown down. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things, all these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached, in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let no one on the roof of his house go down to take anything out of the house. Let no one in the field go back to get his cloak. How dreadful it will be in those days for pregnant women and nursing mothers. Pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. For them there will be great distress, unequaled from the beginning of the world until now, and never to be equaled again. If those days had not been cut short, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be shortened. At that time, if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will appear. And perform great signs and miracles to deceive even the elect, if that were possible. See, I have told you ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, there he is, out in the desert, do not go out. Or here he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever there is a carcass, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the nations of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of the sky with power and great glory And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. I tell you the truth. This generation will certainly not pass away. Until all these things have happened, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. I preached to you this morning from the word of our God as you find it in Matthew 24, the next eight verses, 36 to 44. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were marrying, eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Love the congregation of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Poor, poor Harold. He got it wrong again. Who am I referring to? No, not to Brother Harold Lionhorst, but to Harold Camping. Harold Camping is the man who has been predicting that the world would end yesterday. He and his followers are the ones who have been plastering billboards and taking out full-page ads all over North America and beyond, warning us that May 21st, 2011 would be it. You may have heard about all of this in the news or on Facebook or the Internet. According to Harold Camping, the rapture was supposed to happen yesterday, and the complete destruction of all things is supposed to happen five months later, October the 21st, 2011. Only there was no rapture yesterday. We're all still here, at least most of us and the ones that aren't. I'm told, are on holidays. None of us have disappeared miraculously, suddenly, or unexpectedly. Harold got it wrong again. And little wonder, for if you are taking seriously what the Lord Jesus says about date-fixing, end times, rapture, and destruction, then it's really no surprise that Harold missed the boat. Our Savior says that all such attempts as his are doomed to failure. No matter how pious the predictor, how sophisticated the prediction, how zealous the presenter, how menacing the salesman, none of them will ever, ever get it right. Doomsday prophets may be popular, but in the end, they all go Bust. And why is that? Well, we do well together to listen to what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ says to us in Matthew 24. And taking that into account, I preached to you on the following theme. No one knows except. And in our text, we're going to see something about timing, example, and warning. Well, beloved, if you turn for a moment to Matthew 24 again, there you see the Lord Jesus Christ is delivering his Olivet Discourse. It's the last and the largest body of teaching that our Savior did, and that's been passed on to us. And in it, he deals with many different things, but he concentrates, especially, you can see, on what is to come. And he tells his followers and us what will happen, in particular, about Jerusalem, the Temple, and Israel. And into that forecast, he also mixes what will happen to the world and humanity at large. The whole world will also be involved. But involved in what? Well, first he says it will be involved in the claims of false prophets. Read verse 5. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ. All sorts of self-styled messiahs will arise and attempt to hog the headlines and they'll have success. People are gullible and Jesus says that many will be deceived, that they will follow these imposters in droves. And secondly, he also says the world will be involved in desertion and rumors of war. You might say that in some ways, the times predicted are not unlike our times. Haven't we seen our share of wars in these past decades? Vietnam, Kosovo, Kuwait, Iraq, Afghanistan. And don't we see all kinds of civil wars today in Libya and Syria, Yemen and elsewhere? And at the same time, there are always rumors and predictions that more countries are going to slide into the abyss of strife, conflict, and bloodshed. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And third, the world, the Lord Jesus says, will also be involved in disasters. Famines and earthquakes are mentioned. And they are about two indicators of upheaval and devastation. And I think, once again, we can identify with all of those things, right? Earthquakes in Chile, China, Haiti, New Zealand, Japan. What about tsunamis and mudslides and floods and volcanic eruptions and weird weather? Well, this is long. Disconcerting. Yes, and about these things, but also about one more thing. Lord Jesus in this chapter also talks about desertion. He says many of those who claim to know him will, when the going gets tough, leave him and deny him and testify against him. It's rather interesting in Matthew 24 how often he talks about those who desert him, but he also talks about the elect will stand firm, but many will not. And now about all of those things, about these wars and these false messiahs and these disasters and about this massive desertion, the Lord Jesus says all of these things are the beginning of birth pains. And of course, that simply means they're the beginning of the end. When a woman experiences birth pangs, she knows that the time of arrival is approaching. However, when the earth experiences birth pains, the arrival of a far different baby is near. For such things are the announcement of the coming of Christ and the end of all things. But of course, all of this raises a big question, namely when. We may know the what to look out for, but next we we want to know the when. When will this happen? When will this take place? What day do we have to just circle on our calendars and do we have to get ready for and prepare for and look forward to? And what does the Lord Jesus say about that? Well, the answer is to be found in verse 36, and it is surprising, and in a way, it's even a disappointing answer. He says, no one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, or the Son, only the Father. Now, is that not clear language? What is there, Mr. Harold Camping and all of you other pontificators that you do not understand? Jesus says, no one knows about that day or hour. Why simply no human being has an inside track on that day. And it doesn't matter how bright and brainy you are held camping, took some of his math skills as well as some of his Hebrew skills and, and he figured that he and he alone had somehow found the key that unlocks the door to the future. And obviously in all of that calculating and figuring out, he forgot one fundamental thing and that's to listen to the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he's the one who tells people like camping and others, do not bother. You'll never figure it out. No one knows. And to drive that point home, he adds, not even the angels in heaven. Now think about that for a moment. The angels are God's special messengers and servants. They get to broadcast all kinds of news from heaven onto the earth, and a lot of it is wonderful. They get to hear lots of things before we ever do. They're also in heaven, which means that they're in pro close proximity to everything. It's kind of like being in the inner circle, kind of like being part of the prime minister's office. You know, what's coming down the pike before it even happens. Because you... You hear something. You pick up a little whisper here or a rumor there. And you pride yourself that you're on the inside. But yet, Jesus says, even those who live in heaven do not know. But you know, even that's not the biggest surprise. For the biggest surprise is what comes next in our text when he says, not even the sun, nor the sun. Would you believe it? Not even the Son of God knows the day or the hour. We have difficulty wrapping our minds around that. How how can this be? How, How can the Father and the Son who are supposed to be one not be speaking about these kind of things and consulting one another? Isn't there true unity and fellowship between them? Should the one not know everything about the other? Obviously, there are some things, perhaps, probably many things, about the triune God and what goes on between the persons of the Trinity that we do not know. But one thing we do know, and the Lord Jesus is emphatic when he says, nor the Son. It's probably the only time in all of Scripture where Jesus says, I don't know. I don't have a clue. I too am ignorant. Just as ignorant as the angels and all of you. Well, if Jesus Christ doesn't know, it's obviously absurd for Harold Camping to insist that he knows... And to bellow all over the world that May 21st is the big day. Isn't that the utmost of conceit and presumption? But if Harold doesn't know and Jesus doesn't know, who knows? Our Savior says only the Father. God the Father knows the day and the hour. He alone knows it, he knows it, and he is not telling. He's not telling his son, he's not telling the angels, he's not telling any of us. The secret is with him, and it remains with him. And this means, whatever that all of this kind of speculation on our part should be out Camping should bow out and finally retire for good. Countless people before him should have bowed out as well. For I would remind you that what Harold Camping has been doing in these days is nothing new. This sort of stuff went on in the early church. It went on in the medieval church, in the Reformation church, in the modern church. Perhaps you've heard of the Millerites in the United States. These were people who followed a man by the name of William Miller. And he and his followers attracted a lot of attention in the United States in the middle of the 19th century. And he did so especially by predicting the end of time. William Miller said it's supposed to happen between March the 21st, 1843 and March the 21st, 1844. So folks, you got a year to get ready. And so what happened is people quit their jobs and they went about the business of getting ready. They sold their businesses, their houses. They had huge garage sales. They gave away their stuff and they waited. March 21st, 1843 came and went and nothing happened. And the same for March 21st, 1844. Well, Miller went back to the drawing board. Sorry, folks, I got my math wrong. Here's the new date, April 18, 1844. But it too came... went. Back to the drawing board again, and this time Miller was sure and certain that it would happen on October the 22nd, 1844. Only again, it didn't happen. You know, little wonder that this time in American church history is known as the Great Disappointment. So history is full of lessons. Harold Camping obviously has failed to learn them. But I would say to you this morning, may that not happen to any of us. And that whenever wild and woolly prophets come on the scene claiming special powers and insisting that they, they know the date, remember the words of the Savior, no one knows the day or the hour. Only the Father. And he's not telling any of us. So take that into account. But take out something else into account as well. For the Lord relates not only that the day is unknown. He also says when he comes back, it will be a surprise. And to illustrate that, he uses an example. Notice he talks about the flood and the days of Noah. Kind of an interesting example. What were the days of Noah like? As far as we know, they were normal days. People went about, Jesus says, eating, drinking, marrying, organizing marriages and weddings. They took care of their daily needs. They were occupied or preoccupied sometimes with future events. Life just rolled along. Sure, things were happening on the bigger world stage, but they were only tuned in to the little ordinary stuff of life and living. How to make a wage, how to take care of your family, how to put bread on the table, how to clothe your children. Just routine stuff. But then if the days of Noah were ordinary, Jesus also says, they suddenly became disastrous. Verse 39 tells the tale, and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Obviously, Noah's preaching fell on deaf ears. And at the same time, Noah's massive building project left no impression either, except perhaps to spark a lot of ridicule. But yet, in an instant, normal days became disastrous days. Oh, and one more thing, normal and disastrous days also became dividing days. In Noah's time, the flood divided those who were in the ark and those who were outside. The first were saved, the second drowned. And that will happen again. Jesus says that when he comes back as the Son of Man, there will once again be division. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill, the one will be taken, the other left. Again, of course, we know that doomsday prophets use these particular words of Jesus to describe the most fantastic of circumstances. How Lindsay, in years gone by, used to write about, you know, you're driving in a convertible and suddenly you look and the driver's gone. Or you're in an airplane and suddenly there is no pilot. He's been raptured. Lifted out of his life. I'm sure that you can think of other scenarios see, Lindsay and others maintain that secretly God lifts his children out of this life and thereby spares them from the great tribulation to come. He raptures them in order to spare them. Now, now is not the time or the place to get into all of these matters except to say, number one, the Bible doesn't speak about a secret rapture, not with all those trumpets that are blaring. And beloved, it's doubtful that the faithful are going to be spared, the tribulation or whatever you call it. But the point that the Lord Jesus is making here is that when the day of the Lord comes, it will bring division. Division between people. Some will meet the Son of Man in the air and some will be left behind. A great day of division is coming. Don't doubt it. Don't mock it. Don't ignore it. Indeed, the Lord Jesus says with respect to that day, the best thing that you can possibly do, he says, is just keep watch. Those are simple words, but there is kind of a background to that expression, keep watch, right? The background has to do with those ancient cities in the Middle East where they where they had walls, and on those walls they always had guards, and it was the duty of the guards to be attentive. They had to keep their eyes and their ears open. They had to assess whatever danger threatened or came along. And at times they had to sound the alarm and alerting the people and the troops. For a city to survive in ancient times, it needed good guards. Well, this ancient military duty is now turned by the Lord Jesus Christ into an analogy for modern-day living. He's saying we as believers always have to be watchful. Only then we have to be watchful with a difference. Because we're not on the lookout for enemies. We're on the lookout for our Savior and Lord. And in the process, we're to be sensitive to the times in which we live, to the trends, the developments, the events, to the times and the seasons. And to drive that point home, the Lord Jesus comes up with another illustration. It's about a homeowner who knows there's a thief in the neighborhood Is coming to burglarize his house. Now what does such a homeowner do? Does he hop on a plane and go to Hawaii? Does he welcome the burglar with coffee and cookies? Hardly. He takes out the baseball bat or the shotgun. He may even, even call the police. In other words, he makes sure that the burglar receives a right and proper reception. Quite simply, and here's the point. The owner of the house does not ignore what is about to happen. And neither should we. If we do not want to be caught napping, and Jesus says... You need to keep watch. You need to be ready when the Son of Man comes. So, beloved, I would urge you to be careful how you live your daily life. Don't be like an ostrich that sticks its head in the sand and sees and hears nothing. Don't be like a drunk who is oblivious to everything that's going on around him. Don't be like a child who's too immature to see and to weigh and to know. Live your life like an ancient watchman. And what does that entail? Listen to the Apostle Peter when he writes, Since everything will be destroyed in this way. What kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. I don't know about you, But as I look around and take into account all of the disasters happening in the world today, I would say to you that the footsteps of the Lord Jesus are getting louder and louder and closer and closer. I don't know precisely when he'll come, but come he will. And the question for all of us is, are we going to be awake and watchful? Are we keeping watch? Are we living holy and godly lives as we wait and as we watch? Truly may God, may God through His Spirit equip you, grant you open ears, open eyes, a committed heart, leave speculation about the future to Harold and to others. But as for you, be ready every day to meet and to greet your King and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.